Let us go to Hebrews chapter 5, we will read from verse 12 onwards. Hebrews 5 verse 12, it says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Chapter 6 verse 1, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of doctrine, of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment and this will we do if God permit. Hallelujah. So, we have seen from the scripture that it is the perfect written will of God for every believer to be involved in learning these foundational doctrines and teaching them. If, uh, chapter 5 verse 12 says, when for the time you ought to be teachers. That is an open statement to everybody. It did not say only for full time ministers, it is for every believer. Every believer is expected to learn these and teach these things. The word, the in, in chapter, in verse, sorry, in verse 12 it says, the first principles of the oracles of God. Chapter 5 verse 12. We saw the original Greek meaning is, the letters of the alphabet of God's word or the ABCDs of God's word. To teach ABCD, you do not need a PhD. You do not need any degree. If you know ABCD, you are qualified to teach. So, this is the, what we are learning is the ABCDs of God's word. And chapter 6 verse 1 said, chapter 6 verse 1 called it, um, the, it says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. The Greek meaning is the original teachings of Jesus Christ. So, these are the original teachings of Jesus himself when he was on the earth. These are the things that he taught his disciples when he was on the earth. You can also say this is the first discipleship program or the original discipleship program started by Jesus himself. He taught this to his disciples, the first disciples. And we, 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 we see in Acts chapter 20 verse 20 and 21, we saw that in the first church, they taught this house to house and publicly. Because Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of nation. He did not simply say, go and convert people. No, Jesus said, make disciples. That, these are the words of Jesus himself. There is a difference between a believer and a disciple. Believer, being a believer is the first stage, but a disciple is fulfilling the will of Jesus himself. So, every believer is supposed to be a disciple. And this is the discipleship program started by Jesus and they followed this in the first church. And they expected every believer to learn this and to teach this. And we see that when you learn this, you grow up, you become strong you will be able to identify what is right, what is wrong. That is what chapter 5 verse uh, 14 says. Hello. Chapter 5 
verse 13 and 14, it says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat, this is very good, Hebrews 5 verse 14, But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age or mature, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. That means people who understand these things, who learn these foundational doctrines, who know them and are involved in teaching them, they will be able to sense, ah, this is from God, this is not from God, this is really nice thing, this is the, there, there is the anointing here, this is true, this is just playing around. You will be able to identify. That's why this is so powerful. And it is the will of God that every believer should know these things. Only then you can grow and you can be used by God. God does not want everybody to be dependent on one pastor or one evangelist. No, He wants every believer to be like Him. That's why 1 John 4.17 says, As He is, so are we in this world. So for us to be like Jesus, we need to know these things. He said this to the disciples. So our age is not a problem. You can be young or you can be old. It doesn't matter. Every person who is born again, is supposed to be and behave and do the work of Jesus himself. That's why Jesus said, whatever I did, you will do. He was talking to everybody. He did not simply say to disciples. He, I mean, he was talking to every believer. Once you become a disciple, whatever he did, you will also do. Even greater things. Today we are in the greater things department. First, we start by being a disciple, doing the same work Jesus did, and then we move on to the greater things. That's why we are here, to learn these things. The more we understand these things, more we will see, there is a difference in me. From the time I started understanding this, you will know, I know certain things. I am able to differentiate. I am able to hear. There is a difference. Something is happening inside me. That's why even as you hear these words, inside you, you feel, yes. This is God speaking to me. That, is a, that, is, that shows the ability that you are growing up. Because even babies, once in the beginning when you start giving them, they don't know much taste. They just, their taste buds are not developed yet. But after some time, they will be able to know this is good, this, this taste is different. So they will be choosy. They will start choosing what they like. So that's what happens. As we grow, our ability to understand the word increases. We will be able to recognize, ah, this is good. This is from God. And you sense something happening inside. That's God speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit working inside us, in our spirit. Hallelujah. So, we, we, we have seen that there are seven foundational doctrines. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptisms, doctrine, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. Seven foundational doctrines. And these seven foundational doctrines represent the life cycle of a believer. First step of a sinner is repentance. You have faith. Then you are baptized into, the, we are learning on baptisms right now. Then you get, get the water baptism. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as you continue in the doctrines, you grow up, you mature. And then as you grow, hands are laid on you and given you positions of authority. Also, you are used by Jesus. Your hands become the hands of Jesus. You go pray for the sick. And then finally one day we leave our bodies. Then there is resurrection of the dead and then finally judgment. So this is the life cycle of a believer. 
God is a God who knows the end from the beginning and he, he wants his children also to know the end from the beginning. You may not know the every specific details of your day from the word of God, but there is an outline. As we continue in the word, we will know this is the next stage. You can expect certain things. That's why this is important. So we've, we've seen repentance from dead works. We've seen faith and currently we are in baptisms. So we, we understood that baptism, the word, the Greek word used is baptismos, which is not a regular term that they use. It is a word used in the dyeing industry, cloth dyeing. So we understood that you take a white shirt. You, it's, it's initially, its identity is it's a white shirt. After dyeing, you dip it in the blue color and you take it out. The identity of the shirt has changed. It is no more called a white shirt. And you don't call it the, the, my old white shirt which is blue. No. It is called a blue shirt. The identity has changed. That is why this word baptism is important. It primarily denotes a change in identity. Change in identity. So just like the white shirt, it was the old name was white shirt. After the, after the baptismos or the dying process, it is now called blue shirt. Identity change. Two different things. This thing has nothing in common with the old. Even the name is changed. People who see it identify it as the, with the new name, as the blue shirt. That's the primary thing in baptism. And last week we saw that there are three types of baptisms. The first is, I mean, you look at the word in Hebrews chapter 6, it says baptisms, it's plural. That means there are more than one baptism. There are three baptisms. The first one is baptism into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The second one is water baptism, which, is, which can be done by any disciple of Christ. And the third one is baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is done by Jesus. So three baptisms for the believer. Three baptisms for the believer. First one, baptism into the body of Christ. We saw last week what it means. That means the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit takes you, you become born again. You are taken and you are immersed into a body called the body of Christ. Now your identity changed. Now you are not that old person. Your, your identity is now new creation, body of Christ. So each one of us, we are members of the body of Christ. And we cannot ignore each other. We need each other. We cannot put down another. We saw that some of the most important parts of the body is what is hidden, is on the inside. You, you may lose a toenail, it doesn't bother much, you can live. But if your heart is affected, then you are in serious trouble. Your heart is more important than what you see on the outside. You lose a portion of skin that you can still live. When I had the accident, I lost complete skin and flesh on my hand. But still, it's fine. But if your heart fails, or if your lung fails, or if your kidney fails, I mean, you're in serious trouble. You will suffer for a long time. So, just because you are not on the outside, the heart cannot say, oh, people cannot see me. People don't know how important I am. They are not seeing what all important things I am doing. So, so, I will stop working. The heart cannot say that. 
you are there, you are inside, nobody sees you, but still you are important. Your face, your eyes are in the front, the ears are at the back, ears cannot say, just because I am not in the front, I will stop working. I want to be the eyes. No, each part, each member has a particular function. Same way, each one of us, as members of the body of Christ, we all have a particular role, a particular function. What you can do, others cannot do. The people whom you can reach, others cannot reach. Each one of us have been given individual gifts, callings that God has put inside us. That is to be used for His glory. And at the right time, these things will be revealed. And we can be used by God. Every single one of us is important. And we cannot neglect each other. We cannot say, oh, you are not educated, so we don't want you. No, no. The gift that a person carries, that God, the Creator Himself, has put inside each one of us is important. First of all, all of us are made in the image of God. So you cannot put somebody down. No, 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 you can't do that. Like I said, we need each other. The, uh, the one good example I keep giving my students in, in the Bible school is, if your back is itching, your hand has to go there. You cannot rub against the wall and say, ah, no. Till the hand goes there, the head will not feel satisfied. For the head to feel satisfied, the hand has to go. The hand cannot say, no, it's a dirty part, I will not go there. No, no, no. Every part is important. Every part has to work with the other part. That's why we all try to walk in peace with each other. It's very important. We may not agree with, our functions may be different. We may not agree with certain things, but we cannot afford to stay offended. We have to, we have to continue because we are part of the same body. We are part of the same body. So we need each other. We need each other. God looks at us as the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So that is the body of Christ. So we need to understand. Now our identity is we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. He is the head of the body. We, the church, is the body of Christ. Another thing that you have to know is Christ means anointed one with the anointing. Anytime you hear the word Christ, it actually means anointed one with the anointing. So if we are the body of Christ, the question is, is Christ anointed? Yes. Is, was Jesus anointed? Yes. Christ means anointed one. If the head is anointed, is the body anointed? Yes. Yes. As the body of Christ or as the body of the anointed one, each one of us, we are anointed. All of us have a function. We are anointed to fulfill that function, that calling God has put in our life. But we need to recognize that. That comes only by understanding and knowing the word. If we don't know the word, we will not fulfill it. So we have to know that. That's why first we are teaching you, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of the anointed one. You are anointed. You are a, you are a very important member of the body of Christ. You are a very important member of the body of the anointed one with the anointing. That means you are anointed. God has given you and called you with a special calling, with a special purpose and you are anointed to fulfill that. You will know it only when you are taught. Otherwise you will not know. We will be dependent on the head to do everything. 
people pray, Jesus, Jesus, do this for me, do this for me. Jesus says, you are my body. You are anointed. You do. God will not do two things. He will never do two things. Number one, he will not do what he has already done and finished. He has already made the payment for, for sin. Payment for sin is done. Sin is defeated. He is not going to defeat sin again. Number two, he will not do what he has asked us to do. He asked us to do the work he will not do. He asked us to resist the devil. He will not resist the devil for us. We can't pray, Jesus, you fight the devil. No, he said, you resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. I have given you power over all the power of the power and authority over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample him under your feet. So Jesus said that. You will trample snakes and scorpions. He said it. He gave us power. Now we are supposed to do it, not him. He said, you do it. I've given you power. So two things he will not do. Number one, what he has already done and finished, he is not going to do again. Number two, what he asked us to do, he will not do it again. He is expecting us to do it. He said, now you use my name. You go preach the gospel. He is not going to preach the gospel again. He asked us to preach the gospel. He is not going to lay hands on the sick. He asked us to lay hands on the sick. Are you seeing that? So that's what we are supposed to do. So we, as the body of the anointed one, each one of us has a calling, has a purpose, and we are anointed to fulfill that purpose. That's why God placed us in that particular location. God placed us in that particular area. Why? Because he knows you are the right person for that place. You are the right person to do this work. That's why we are even born in this time. We could have born 100, 200 years ago. He said, no, you are supposed to be born here at this time, at this place. You are be in that place, you will affect this generation. That's why we are, we are special. Each one of us is special. We are not simply someone that is born out of time. No, even before we were born, God knew us. Bible says he wrote about us in his book. So we are special. Each one of us, we have a plan, we have a purpose. We have a calling and we are anointed to fulfill that calling. So I believe you understood the baptism into the body of Christ. The second one that we are going to look today is water baptism. Water baptism. It can be done by any born again believer or to be more specific, any disciple of Jesus. Not every believer, but a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a person who is taught these things, who knows these things, who has submitted himself to the teachings of Christ. That is a disciple who has disciplined himself to learn and study these things. That's a disciple. So let's look at this. Let's look at some scriptures. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Matthew 28 verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is a very beautiful scripture. Why I love this is because this, in this one scripture, so many things are said. This one portion, so many things are said here. First of all, he said, go. To whom is he saying? To disciples. He is saying it to his 
disciples. He said, go. And to the disciples, he said, go and make disciples. To the disciples, he said, you go and not just simply make converts. No, he said, go and make disciples. And of all nations, that means every region, every tribe, every tongue, every nationality, every caste, every creed is involved in this. To be a disciple. And he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. See whom? Disciples. Whom? Disciples. And said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, what did Jesus command? What did he teach them? These foundational doctrines. That's the beauty of this. He said, you go make, you are a disciple, you go to the nations, make disciples, you baptize them and you teach them. What? These things that I taught you. What are those? The foundational doctrines. This is very powerful. People don't know this. So they just go conduct a crusade, make people just say the prayer and then they come back. They don't understand. They don't understand the power of this. Yes, people see the miracles, they see, they believe, but after that, you just simply leave them. You can't leave them like that. When they accept Jesus, you have to disciple them. That is the purpose Jesus said. He did not say, go preach the gospel and then leave them like that. No, make disciple. That making a disciple takes a lot of work. That's where Pastor Michael says, kalsai there. Kalsai there. That is this part. Making disciples. It's not easy. An evangelist will come preach and go. But the rest, the main part is with the pastor and the teacher. To disciple the people so they will be like Jesus. They have to be like Jesus. This, that's, this, this two scriptures is so powerful. It includes everything. It just summarizes everything Jesus did. Number one, he said go. To whom? The disciples. You disciples go. You go make other disciples of all the nations. And you baptize them. And you teach them everything I taught you. Wow. That's powerful. So every believer is supposed to be following this. From a believer you become a disciple. From there you go and make disciples. Each one of us. Every single one of us. We are supposed to make disciples just like Jesus. Jesus started it. Number one, Jesus made disciples and he said, you disciples, now you go make other disciples. So that's what we are doing here. Now here it says, baptizing them. So this is a command of Jesus. He commanded it. It's a command, go make disciples, baptizing them. So number one, we have to understand this is a command of the Lord. It's a command of the Lord. Let's look at Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. It says, Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe is condemned. Again, this is a commandment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. See, he's, the word creature, you, you, it does not include the dogs and animals. No, 
It's talking about people. Alright, many people for this, I've, I've heard stories, I've not seen anyone, I've heard stories where people go to the dogs and, and preach the gospel. There is no salvation for dogs. Alright, animals, they do not have a spirit. We are the people who are made in the image of God. God is a spirit. We have a spirit. So, we, the, the gospel is to be preached to people. Alright, and now here, it's a command of Jesus. And he said something here. He said, he who believes and baptized is saved. He who believes and baptized is saved. So the first condition is you should believe. If you don't believe, there is no baptism. And if, what, what happened if, if, you are not, if, you, if you believed but you did not take baptism? Are you saved? It's a question. Read the next part. It says, he who does not believe is condemned. It does not say he who does not take baptism is condemned. No. The condition to be saved is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You do that, you are saved. Romans 10, it is written. Romans 10, 10. You believe in your heart and confess with, with your mouth, you are saved. Baptism is the second part. So what is this? If you don't believe, you are, you, you are condemned. If you believe, you are saved and then you get baptized. That's what it means. Now, let's look at how, it, how God orchestrated this in the Bible. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. It says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. A baptism of repentance. See, if you look in the Bible, till John came... Till John arrived on the scene, there is no history of baptisms. Nobody else was baptized. John was the first person to come and start this thing called baptism. And it is called a baptism of repentance. Baptism of repentance. We understood the meaning of repentance. It means change your thinking. Repentance means change the way you think. Now, what, what, why is this important? See, till John came, the people used to think that the, the kingdom of Israel was the biggest thing. They used to give priority to Israel. There were only two types of people. Number one, the Jews or, or the people of Israel. And number two, Gentiles. They, they believed that they were the people with the covenant. They were special people, the Jews. Everybody else are people without a covenant. They did not have a covenant. They are covenantless people. They did not have a God. They did not believe in the true God. That's correct. They were special. God chose this particular group of people so that Jesus Christ could come through them. He, he chose them. But they did not understand it fully. So they thought they are the only people for whom God is there. Others, there is no salvation. They are Gentiles. They, they did not even associate with them. They are Gentiles. We are special. We are Jews. So they thought only kingdom of Israel. But John is saying, uh -uh, change. Change. The Messiah is coming. Change your thinking. It says it is called a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. The baptism of John was just to reveal to the people, to prepare the people for the coming Messiah. 
so that they will change their thinking, they will leave everything and then start, start expecting the Messiah to come. The promise of God. They needed to believe that, that somebody is coming to pay the price of their sin. They had to believe that, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who is coming. He's lived a sinless life and he is going to pay the price for their sin. That is what this baptism was. And his baptism, Jesus took baptism. Jesus' baptism, when he took the baptism, John baptized Jesus. He was actually foretelling what was going to happen to him. He was saying when he went down, he, he denoted his death and his burial. And his coming up out of the water denoted his ascension. He was actually prophesying about his own death, burial and resurrection. That's what Jesus' baptism was. He took the baptism. Otherwise, he did not have to take baptism. He was actually, he took the baptism and he was preparing the people. He was showing, my, I am going to die for you. He went down, he was buried and he, he came back up. So, that's what his baptism denotes. And Jesus himself baptized people. Jesus himself baptized people. John baptized and then you see, uh, in I think it's John chapter 4, you will see Jesus also baptizing people. It is written there. So, he was also preparing the people. But in the new covenant, in the new, in the new testament as a believer, what is the purpose of baptism? What is the purpose of baptism? Why do we do baptism now? See, John did it to prepare the people. Jesus did it to foretell about his death, burial and resurrection. What about us? Why do we take baptism? Why we take baptism is because Bible say, it says we understood when we learnt about baptism in the body of Christ. Jesus did everything instead of us. He was our representative. He died for us. He went to hell for us. He became sin for us. He died for us. He went to hell for us. He rose again, all for us, representing us. So when he died, we died. Our old person died. When he went to hell, it represents our old man going to hell. Because he went there for us. He did not commit any sin of his own. When he died, that death was representing us. So, uh, in a way, it is like we died. We went to hell. But we didn't go. Jesus went there for us. So, for us, water baptism symbolizes our death, burial, resurrection with Christ. When we go underwater, it represents that our old man died with Jesus and he was buried with Jesus. And when we come up out of the water, it represents we are rising up with him as a new creation. The water represents the grave. Water represents death and the grave. Are you understanding this? I, have to be very, I want you to understand this. Water represents death and grave. When we are going down, it represents that our old man died with Jesus and he was buried, went to hell. And when we come up out of the water, 
it represents we are risen with him let us read Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 verse 3 It says, do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? So that means when Jesus died, we died. When he went to hell, it was as if we went there. Our old man went there. All right. Verse 6 says, Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man, the old, unsaved, unborn again sinner, was crucified with him and that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slave to sin. Our old man was crucified with him. He died with Jesus. Are you seeing that? And then verse 10. Romans 6.10 For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives he lives to God. Likewise, verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at that. Now today we are alive in Christ. Our old man died. We are a new creation raised up with Jesus. That's what the baptism represents. That means the old man, the water is a burial ground. It's a burial ground. Our old man is dead buried. We are a new creation risen with Christ. That's what it represents. We come up out of the water, we are being, we, it shows we are raised up as a new creation. Actually, water baptism, it is just an outward representation of what happened inside. See, we got born again inside, right? Our body did not change. What part of us changed? Our spirit. Our spirit got born again. Our old body remained the same. We, our body is not changed. If we were dark, we remain dark. If we were fat, we remain fat. If we were thin, we remain thin. What part of us changed? Our spirit. So, water baptism is actually an outward expression of what happened inside. Outside, now you are showing the old man that I was died with Christ. He was buried went to hell with Christ. And as you come up out of the water, it represents that, hey, the old man is gone. Now is a new creation. I am a new creation in Christ. That is what you are showing. And why is this? Why is this? It is the first step of being a disciple of Jesus. It is the first step of being a disciple of Jesus. There are many believers who are born again but they are afraid to proclaim their, um, their belief. You can't blame them. Maybe in the community that they are or the country or the place that they are living, it might be dangerous to even tell others that you are a believer. It could be. But such people, as long as you stay in fear, you cannot grow. At one point, you have to decide, hey, I am supposed to grow. Every believer, you become a disciple by growing up. And the first step to being a disciple of Jesus is baptism, where now you are declaring to others. It's not about you alone now. Now you are openly 
publicly telling others that, hey, I am born again. I was a sinner before. That old sinner died and today I am rose again as a new creation. I am a new creation and today onwards I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's why baptism is important. So the, you cannot force anybody to take water baptism. No, you cannot force anybody. In, that's why in the New Testament there is no baby baptism. The Catholics do baby baptism but that is completely unscriptural. There is no record of any instance in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament where babies are baptized. No, the baby is innocent. It cannot choose by itself. So I will not force my children to take water baptism. They, have to, they are born again. But now there will be a stage where they make a decision. I will be a disciple of Jesus. They have to make a decision. That I am willing to openly declare, tell everybody from today I am a disciple of Jesus. That's why water baptism is important. Jesus said, go make disciples baptizing them. Did you see that? So you decided to be a disciple. And then you take water baptism. So water baptism is the first step to being a disciple of Jesus. Where you are openly and publicly telling everybody, Hello, I am changed now. Old man is dead. Today onwards, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's why water baptism is important. Even if you don't take water baptism, you are saved. You are saved. You will not go to hell. You believe the condition to be saved is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus. You are saved. You are saved. You will not go to hell. But to be used by Jesus, to be like Jesus on the earth, as He is to be like Him on the earth, you need to be a disciple. For that, the first step is obeying this first commandment and taking water baptism. You're publicly telling people, hello, from today, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am a different person. I am submitting myself to be a disciple and disciplining myself under the teachings of Jesus. That's what Jesus wants. That's why water baptism is important. There are many wrong teachings out there about water baptism. And even in, in Pentecostals, in believer circles, they baptize small children. They force small children, the believers, they are born again. They force their children to take water baptism. Meanwhile, they have no idea what is happening. So you can't, you can't force people to take water baptism. You teach them. You teach them, let them make a decision, a choice by themselves. That's why water baptism is important. We cannot force anybody to take water baptism. They have to grow. They have to make a choice to become a disciple of Jesus and then and then they will choose to take water baptism that's how it is it is an open public display of what happened on the inside and you're declaring to people I am a disciple of Jesus that's what water baptism is every person is supposed to know this and who is qualified to do water baptism any any disciple if you are a disciple of Jesus, you qualify to, to baptize somebody else. But, but you have to first teach them these things. You have to teach them and not force them. Teach them these things and then 
you, are, you can give water baptism to them. Any disciple is qualified. But if you are in a church situation where there are authorities appointed by God, you honor them and let them do it. If there is nobody else, if you are the only believer there, if you are the only disciple there or you started a new work, then you do it. If there is nobody else, you are qualified to do it. If you are the person there, teach them and you, take, make, you baptize them. Otherwise, in a church situation, even though you might be a disciple of Christ, you honor authority, they are appointed there by God and they will do it. So everything in Christ is in decency and in order. There is no struggle, there is no power struggle, there is no fighting, no, no, nothing. You are a disciple. A disciple is a disciplined person. That's where you get the word discipline. So you have disciplined yourself. You submitted to the word of God, you submitted to authority and everything will be done in decency and in order. There is no chaos. God is not the author of confusion. Are you understanding this? So this is water baptism. And then there is another wrong teaching saying to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be water baptized. That is, that is another teaching that is there. Let us look at some scripture. Go with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. Acts chapter 10 verse 44 to 48. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then he said, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that they should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See what happened here. First, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. And then Peter was astonished. Peter said, Now they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now nobody can stop them from getting water baptism. See, this is very important. Why? Go with me to Acts chapter 2. I will show you something there. Acts chapter 2, that is the first time the Holy Spirit came upon people and people sp spoke in tongues. That is the first record. On the day of Pentecost, first time the Holy Spirit came. And then, who is the first person to speak there? Peter. Peter stood up and spoke to the people. And then, look at verse 38. Look at verse 38. Here, Peter said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin and will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, they are the first believers. They are Jews, all of them. And in the first time when the Holy Spirit came, it fell on the Jews. 
because they are the only disciples there, isn't it? They were all Jews. The first disciples, they were all Jews. And these people, they already took water baptism. So, now Peter is thinking, saying, repent, be baptized, and after that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter is saying here. Peter said these things. And they believed and followed that. So many people, they take only this scripture and they made a doctrine saying, only if you are baptized, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so they made a teaching from this. They said, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to first take water baptism. But they did not read the whole book of Acts. Here, in the next instance, in Acts chapter 10, in the house of Cornelius, in the house of Cornelius, Peter went there to preach the gospel. He preached to the people. They believed. And as soon as they believed, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. And they, these are not Jews. This is the first record of uh, people who are not Jews, Gentiles, hearing the gospel. This is the first record. If you read from the beginning of, the, uh, of Acts chapter 10, you will see that Peter, he fell in a trance and he saw a, a blanket coming and all kinds of animals coming there and God telling him, take and eat. Peter said, no, I will not eat any unclean things. So three times that happened. And then he, uh, the Holy Spirit told him, somebody is waiting for you. And then he went with them into the house of Cornelius. And there he saw all Gentiles. They are not Jews. And he preached the gospel to them. The first record of people who are not Jews hearing the gospel. It's the first time. Acts chapter 2 is a different setting. Acts chapter 2, only Jews. Only Jews. All the people, disciples gathered there, they're all Jews. In Acts chapter 10, first record, all people who are not Jews. Gentiles. They are gathered. And they heard the gospel. They believed. And immediately, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they received the baptism. They started speaking in tongues. So here, God is teaching Peter. Hello, Peter. See. See, understand this. In the first place, only Jews. Now it is for the whole world. It is for the whole world. So here what happened? They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before water baptism. So now Peter is astonished. He is saying, look at that. He said, uh, verse 45, Acts 10, 45. It says, and those of the circumcision. They are talking about Jews. It's saying, and all the Jews who believed, they were astonished. They were amazed. They were like, oh, the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured on the Gentiles also. Even the other people, other tribes, they are also getting the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then Peter understood, oh, it's for everybody. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for everybody. And then he said, I cannot stop them. Who can stop them from being water baptized now? That's what he said, 47. Can anyone forbid water? He's saying water baptism. Can anyone for, forbid water baptism to them? They are already baptized in the Holy Spirit. So now, they qualify to become disciples. So now, let them take water baptism. So, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't need 
it is not compulsory that you, sh you should take water baptism. It can happen anytime. See, in today's setting, for example, our church, we could not do what I mean. When we uh, uh, we cannot do water baptism till we have our own pool, or we have to book some place where there is a pool. Right. So for that, it takes time. It takes money. We have to book. There will be other people booking. So based on the time and availability, only then we can do water baptism, isn't it? Otherwise, if you have your own pool, go ahead, no problem. In the olden days, as soon as they were believers, they would bring them, they would teach them the word, and then they would go and do water baptism immediately. They, they would go to any nearby lake or pool and they, would, they could do water baptism. Today, it's not possible. The nearest lake is so dirty. We can't go there. Nobody will even step, step inside there. So you need a pool. In a city, it is not easy. You can't just do it like that. So does that mean till you do your water baptism, you will not receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? No. You can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit immediately after you be become born again. Water baptism is the first step to being a disciple. It is an public display and outward expression of what happened on the inside. I believe you understood this. So, so you need to be able to differentiate this. This is called rightly dividing the word of truth. Many people have come out with wrong doctrines. They said you cannot receive baptism in the Holy Spirit till you are water baptized. That's not correct. Yes, in Acts chapter 2, Peter said you first be baptized in water, then you will receive. But that was a different setting. There were only Jews there. And now, that's why there are both these instances are there so we can rightly understand it. We can look at both the instances and understand. Today, you don't need water baptism to receive baptism in the Holy Spirit. But is water baptism important? Yes, it is. To be a disciple of Jesus, it is important. It is the first step to show that you are the disciple of Jesus. I believe you understood this. This is all water baptism is. It's very simple. It's very simple. Unnecessarily, there are many complicated teachings out there. It's a very simple thing. If you are a disciple, you qualify to give water baptism to anybody. But if you are in a church, you honor the authority. That's all. Everything in, in order, in peace, in harmony. There is no confusion, there is no power struggle, nothing. This is so simple. Things about our God is so simple. He made it very easy. Only too many theological people complicate these things. This is so simple. So, I believe you understood this. This is very important. This is very important to have a right information and right teachings on water baptism. Why? Because it's, it's for you so that you can be a disciple of Jesus. What we are doing here is discipleship. That's what we are doing, discipleship. This is the original discipleship program of Jesus himself. And this is important for every believer. I believe you understood this. Our time is up. We'll pray. Father, we praise you, we worship you. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we can rightly divide the word of truth. This is for us. Thank you so much, Father. We praise you, we worship you. We receive your word with all meekness because this is the only thing that can save our souls. 
We praise you. We worship you, Daddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.